is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. Hey, it's Jacqueline with systemsforselfcare.com where I teach you to consistently take daily action so you can feel happier, healthier, and more confident. Today, I have an old friend on the podcast, Corin Pierce. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. This is fun. I, I should have gone back to see what episode you want, but I want to say that it was like in the 40s or the 50s and we're yeah. up to like 350 now. So. It was some years ago now. I know. Isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah, I think you've been doing like, this for a long time. Yeah. I, but yeah, I think it was 2018. I want to say that we did the podcast and then we met in real life at like a meetup. I think that's true. Yeah. 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 But life is completely different for you now too. Yes, it is. I mean, for everybody because of the pandemic that really kind of upended everything for everyone. But for us specifically, we, um, during the pandemic decided that it would be a great time to move cross country (laughs) and go, we were in in Los Angeles for um, almost 16 years and we moved back to Georgia, which is where we're from. And we have moved to like just outside of Athens, Georgia, which is a rural, like, like the window that I'm sitting next to on the other side of the fence behind it, there are cows. And like everywhere you drive, there's those giant, like giant big rolls of hay everywhere. It's very weird for me. Like I'm a city girl. Um, and it's, you're in LA. (laughs) I know it's a big shift. It's a big shift. When we, when we moved to LA from Atlanta, people would ask us, Oh, isn't that like a big transition? Oh, that must be so weird. And I was like, no, it's, it's a pretty, they're pretty similar cities. They have a similar vibe, but this feels very different to me. So it's a, it's been an adjustment. Um, my husband loves it. It's very peaceful and that that's really good for him. And I, I actually like it too. Most of the time, every now and again, I get a little itch for the city, but Atlanta's very close. So I can go down and get a little city fix when I need to, but, uh, but yeah, moving during pandemic, we, we moved over last year's Thanksgiving week. We did a cross country drive. Um, the kids finished out the school year online with the, their LA schools. And then they started school here and it's been really good, but also a lot of change all at once. We got a puppy, right? So lots of different things. So it has been quite a, quite a year. Yeah. And a half. I'm yeah. I'm thinking about when you said LA and Atlanta, I'm thinking, yes, the traffic in both of those places, yes. they're car cities, both of them, they're, right. they're sprawling car cities. People like if somebody lives way on the other side of town, you're like, oh, you're not my friend anymore. Sorry. <laughs> and that was because we lived in Atlanta for a while. And I don't think that that was something like I realized when we moved there, mm-hmm. that, like the necessity for a car and like, like people in Atlanta, like if you're walking, like they're really surprised to see people like pedestrians and like, oh, they're yeah. just like, what is that? Like, is that an alien? Like, I'm going to hit you with my car. Cause <laughs> that's just what yeah. I do here. Yeah. But LA too, like, yeah, like. Where's the oh on Saturday Night Live the jokes the well, you take the the one to the like mm-hmm. people just constantly talking about the the highways oh, always that. always yeah it's central to your experience for sure mm-hmm. so how has it been for you being like do you I mean you would still have to use a car I'm guessing if you're a little bit out yeah you know what's interesting yeah. is that I actually drive a lot more here than I did in LA because when we were where we were in LA we were in like a neighborhood that had all the stuff right so there was a grocery store that we could walk to, but then within like two mile radius, there were eight grocery stores. Right. So, so whatever, whatever we needed to go to our social structure, like the schools, everything was within like a, I would say it was rare that I went outside of a 10 mile radius. Um, and I just didn't drive that often when I did it with short distances And here to get to the nearest grocery store is like eight miles, which doesn't sound like much until you're like on this country road and you're like, Oh, this takes a while. Yeah. And there just aren't as many options here for things either. So that's one thing I would 
did not anticipate was how I would be disappointed by the grocery stores here. <laughs> totally. I yeah. well, and especially LA, like you probably have like access to all of the varieties of like oh, organic yeah. everything and green juices yeah. and salad places and yeah, the, the place that I missed the most was our neighborhood John's Market, which was a pretty like not fancy at all grocery store. Um, but we, we're in a community with a lot of uh, kind of Russian and Eastern European folks. And so it had a really interesting mix of stuff there. It had good produce, you know. Um, so that's been a little a little more challenging like, being here and being like, oh, I don't have the same options. And I, ha- I have to sort of mentally adjust to that. Like if I need to find something specific, I might need to put a little more effort into it here or make the decision that something else works just fine. Yeah. 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 I think like when we were in Atlanta, we lived like it was a five minute walk to Trader Joe's, which is wonderful. Like I love going to Trader Joe's, but then it's also like Jacqueline, like you've survived before Trader Joe's, like you'll be okay. You will be okay that you don't get your almond butter or your cookie butter or your, you know, Mm -hmm. what you will be okay, Jacqueline. There is a Trader Joe's here. So that's good. Really? It's not a Costco. There's no Costco here. There's rumors that one is coming, but I haven't heard anything firm yet. So I actually, I, I miss the Costco a lot too, because the closest one is about an hour away, which is, you know, it's Costco. So it's okay. Go like once a month and kind of stock up on things. But um, in LA, I had like five Costco's I could go to, depending on what I, my mood was. Yeah. You brought up a really interesting point though, like about when, it's like I, when it comes to like lifestyle and walking and like, right. Like yes. walking is just so good for us. And sometimes it is like, it's not a matter of like willpower or self-discipline, but it's just like, well, like about where you live. Oh, and so yeah, if you yeah. live in a neighborhood where you can walk to your grocery store, like you'll probably do that. You'll get in those yes. steps during your day because that's just a part of like where you yeah. live. But yeah. if you don't, it kind of takes that away from you. And like right now right. I've been driving a lot more and I can notice like, like my hips, like I have to like, I'm okay. You're going to mm-hmm. have to like do some things about this because you're in this sitting position much more than you have ever been. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, cause I, there's, there's nowhere to walk from here. There's, there's literally nothing to walk to the, 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 my son's school is close enough to walk to. Um, but other than that, it's all like farm country and houses and neighborhoods. So even if I wanted to walk to like buy a Coke, I couldn't unless I was willing to invest like half of my day, you know, like a really long walk I could do. So yeah, it is. It's like an adjustment. It's just sort of figuring out, but, but say we got the puppy. And so I'm walking a lot more because the puppy So the puppy has increased my activity level, both getting outside of the house, but also in the house. Like I get up and move around more because she's there and she has needs and she is just so stinking adorable that we want to like get down on the floor with her all the time. So, so I've lost, I lost some of that kind of like city movement, but we've gained a little bit of movement with the dog and like having a backyard here, which we didn't have before. Like we can go out and walk around the backyard, which I love to do with her. So it, it is really about sort of, there is no one says one, blah, 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 blah. there is no one size fits all solution to any of this stuff. It's all about your environment, your situation, your goals, your preferences, right? I think people lose sight of preferences when it comes to fitness stuff, because there's all this, oh, you should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this, but you can, you can do things you like, you, for the most part, can find things that you like to do that kind of tick all the boxes of the things that you should be doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about being a mom during the pandemic with kids and kids that, and moving, like, how have you made taking care of yourself a priority? Like, was that Um, something you were able to do? No, no. For a long time. No, like I really wasn't. Um, and 
or, or I struggled to figure out how that, how yeah. it looked now. And I think that was true for a lot of people is that you're like, all of a sudden you, and I think so many, I know so many dads who are also really like involved and present and some dads some stay at home dads who kind of run the house. So I don't want to make any big sweeping generalizations, but I'm gonna anyway. <laughs> Moms do it more often, yes. right? This sort of like management of the household, emotional management, like, like the emotional labor that people talk about. Um, and I think that the pandemic just like pumped that up to 11 for everybody that it was, and it was hard to manage, um, early, very early on when we sort of didn't know what's happening and we were sort of at home, but we didn't know yet exactly what it was going to be like, like quickly, I was like, all right, well, we have to get out of the house every day. So we, we would take walks. Um, and we got to know our neighborhood so well, like all the little ins and outs of the neighborhood. Um, and so that would be sometimes the whole family, sometimes the kids and I, sometimes me and just one of the kids, sometimes me and myself, that we, that was one of the things that I really tried to, to make an actual regular thing was that we always got out of the house at least once because we were also in a two bedroom apartment. So we didn't have a yard to get to in the, in the warmer weather, we had a pool out, just outside of our apartment. So that was great. Um, but and during the deepest parts of the lockdown, when they were like, parks are closed, you can't go anywhere. You know, I was like, what are we going to do? Well, and I'll tell you some of the things we did is when we got real fidgety in, in the house, um, I would tell the kids they had to do something with their bodies and I would give them some money. Like, we can find a yoga video on Amazon or we can, um, you know, dance, we could do. And so we started doing... Um, my kids did this when they were very little, we would call it a pillow party and they would get all the pillows in the house and the couch cushions. And they would basically make the whole floor of the living room, like a soft surface and they would wrestle. And for a while we had a TV box when they were really little, they would use it as a slide. I mean, it was all very like DIY, make your own fun. The best. Um, but my kids during pandemic were like, what were they? 11 and 11 and eight. So not doing that kind of stuff anymore, but, um, but we would do, we, they would bring all the pillows down and we would do like family wrestling, which is really a little, like we did it when the kids were little. Yeah. And then as they got bigger, they were like, will you wrestle with us? Which is a little scarier when you're older. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yes. I was like, but we always, we were like, we got to have a, we got to have a safe word. So if anybody says, what do you say? Pineapple, right. If anybody says pineapple, then you have to just immediately let go. And if you think somebody's really hurt you have to immediately let go you know so we would sort of set some ground rules and then we would just spend some time wrestling and it was super fun we actually we did it here um a few weeks ago too and it is it's a really fun way to move your body um it is challenging right that's those are ways you don't move your body very often right we don't we don't grapple we don't grapple no (laughs) right no yeah but that that so that was a fun thing like we we tried to find stuff like that to do um we, I don't know, we got a silver lining of the pandemic is that we got a lot of very good family time, you know, which, which I did really value. And once they started going to school and having activities, a little part of me is like, oh, yeah, and it's good. And it's good and right that they're going out in the world and doing things with other people. But uh, it, there were some parts of it that were nice too, just all being together. I just recently did an episode about, well, I'm in Chicago and it's cold here now and it will continue to just get colder and colder, but I did an episode about how important it is to like go outside even when it is 10 degrees. And even if you're just outside for a minute, it like keeps the habit or like join a running club or use, you know, just get Mm -hmm. outside and go do something because it's so easy to want to hibernate because it's disgusting outside, but it's also really easy to fall into like this really depressive hole 
if you don't go do something. And so like, I, like, I know for me, like, even if I hear that voice is like, I don't want to go outside. It's like, but you have to. So I'm just really curious. Like, did you just like intuitively know, Hey, this is really important that we one leave the house every day and two move our body. Like how, why was that stuff you made sure happen? Well, you know, as a, as a movement professional, right. The intellectual side of me is like, yes, this is important. But as a, as a parent and like just in relationship with these people in this very small space, I was like, if we're all in here all the time, it's going to get ugly. We, we have to, we have to leave sometimes. And my kids too, like they, of course, um, I, I read something about how screen use amongst kids went way up during the pandemic, which of course is a no brainer because there's a, there's a time for you to be like, fine, <laughs> this is fine. Um, so, so they were, were, perfectly happy to like stay on the couch with their screens all day or sitting at the computer all day. And so they also needed to be shaken out of it too, because they fall into the same habits that adults do of not moving. And when they are in school, they move from class to class and they go the line to the lunch. Like they're moving all day, even if they're sitting during class, most of the time, right. They're still doing lots of different kinds of moving. And so when that went away, when they were doing school at home, like there was nothing. There was no reason for any of us to really do any movement at all. Um, and I oh, went through gosh. phases with, I went through some phases where I was doing, where the gyms were just completely closed. Um, I was doing some workouts at home. And then I went through some phases where I was like, everything sucks and I don't want to lift my weights. And so I didn't for a while, right? Um, I was teaching class. So I was teaching um, my online mobility class a couple times a week. So I was still getting movement in and all of that. Um, but I just didn't want to do workouts. And, um, and then things opened up just the tiniest bit and we weren't allowed to have classes at the gym yet, but the coaches were, we were allowed to come in and use the space to work out in. So that was a huge, that was huge for my mental health, just to be able to have a reason to leave the house go someplace else. And it would be, it was partly work too, because I would record stuff and record demos for clients and things like that. And things for, um, for Instagram while I was there. Uh, and it was, that was huge. Like when, when that was possible again, I just remember feeling a whole lot lighter all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm just thinking too, like, this is what, while you're in LA, so you're in a, like, there's four of you mm-hmm. in a two bedroom apartment all day long. Like it's one thing for the kids to come home from school and you guys to come yeah. home from work. And it's like, okay, cool. Like we're going to go into our bedrooms and go to sleep, but like to have to live in that space. That's something my husband and I talked about. Like we, at, at one time in Atlanta, we moved from a one bedroom apartment to a studio Ooh, yeah. because we knew we were going to break our lease. So we were like, let's live in the cheapest place so that when we break our lease, it's a cheaper fine. But like, I was like, Paul, like if we were living in that studio during the pandemic, oh, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was, so we, we turned my, cause my husband was able to work from home for his, for his office. So he was remote. And so we moved all of his stuff and he brought some stuff from the office and we set up, we just kind of re- redecorated the whole house. So the half, the half of our bedroom was now his office. And so that was his, like he would go in there during the day and that was his workspace. And then one kid would be in the room with the door closed. So if, if like when my daughter had dance class, which dance class on zoom is like the worst, I have to tell you, it's maybe better than nothing, but not by much. Um, so she's, she's doing her dance class and she's like, I want to be dancing to no music in front of all of you guys. Like how goofy is that? So she would have the dance class or for dance class and for drama class, she would have the room and then my son would be working out in the, we had a big sort of, it was like a big open plan. Yeah. So he'd be working out there. And then I would just sort of like slot myself in wherever there was space. And depending on what I was doing that day. And there were times when my son was in school and I was like 
around the corner in the kitchen, seeing a client, right. And trying to sort of manage the whole thing. And he was young enough. He was in third grade um, then. And he still, he still needed a little bit of like handholding and pushing and, and encouragement that I was now having to provide to him. Like my daughter was in middle school. She was a little more self-sufficient. So it was, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. So moving here, the first thing is that we moved here and we're renting um, until we find a house to buy. We're renting a four bedroom house oh, for like hundred dollars more than we were paying for an apartment in LA. Of course, with a with a really nice fenced backyard and a really nice neighborhood. Um, and so my husband has the upstairs room for his office, and and he can completely separate his work, you know, and, and go away. And I have sort of the run of the house because the kids are at school. So I work in like I'm in my bedroom right now. I also work in the kitchen. Sometimes I have a little desk area set up there so I can move around and work, which I like, like I, I don't need a dedicated space necessarily. Like I like being able to shift and do different things depending on what I'm doing. And that also gets me more movement variety because when I'm at, when I'm here, like I'm sitting on a, I'm sitting on a big exercise ball at a little table that I can fold down and up. Um, and that's generally what I do when I'm working here, unless I'm teaching class, which I'm, you know, on the mat doing stuff. When I'm in the kitchen, it's a tall stool and it's one of those little tip stools. So you can't really sit on it. It's just there to support you a little. Um, and so I kind of lean on that and I stand and I move and I take the computer and sit at the couch for a while. So those kinds of um, little everyday movement shifts are super, super powerful. Um, and I think it's really easy to underestimate how much difference that makes to our, to our movement lives, to our metabolism, right? To all of those things. Totally. I mean, like, if I'm thinking about that too, like with me, if <laughs> I'm sitting at a desk and my hips are like this in this position, or I'm sitting in my car and my hips are in this position. So even yeah. just adjusting it, like, it sounds like not a big deal, but it's like, no, you've been sitting here for hours. So if you just sat in a different chair or even just the walking to the different chair, yeah. like it does add up. Yeah. Yeah. And things like, um, getting up to go get a glass of water. All right. We were, I did an IG live with um, another trainer, Jen Baruso, the other day, and we were talking about rest and how you find little moments of rest if you are like stuck working in an office, things like that. And we were talking about how you like the one thing nobody's ever going to fault you for is going to the bathroom. Right. So if you're like losing your mind a little bit, you can go to the bathroom and just hang out for a minute. You can just take a second and take some breaths and just take a little bit of extra time. And just that action can really give you a really powerful sort of nervous system, mental energy reset for you to go back into your, your day. Not to mention that you're not getting phys- a physical movement reset too. Totally. And that saying that too, like all of that was lost in the pandemic because if someone's, yeah, if you're sitting at a desk in a job, you do get up to go to the get your lunch to go mm-hmm. to get water. But if you're in a one bedroom apartment, the kitchen's right there and it's easy to just sit. Yeah. Yeah. So you lose all of that. That was, I thought about that a lot, how much of that in, in between things movement that you never think about and you never really, you never give credit to, does that make sense? So, um, and one of the things I specifically thought about was, wow, if I'm not driving anywhere, I'm not getting in and out of the car. And what an interesting movement that is. Like just getting in and out of the car requires you to be on one leg, right? To balance. It requires you to rotate. It requires you to do all of these interesting things yeah. when you really think about it and break it down. And if suddenly you're like not doing that at all, yeah, that's a huge change, right? And that's just one of the things that we lost. If you really broke down somebody's full day, all the different kinds of movement that they did and carrying things and right. Like we, we stopped carrying things during the pandemic because we were always here. There's no yeah. way to carry anything, right? 
Um, so you think about those things and those things, they really, they really matter. This is why I love talking to you because you bring out these things that are really simple everyday things that we just do during our day. And I like, remember on our first podcast, you talked about, you need to be able to squat because when you sit down to go to the bathroom and you're 80 years old, you want to be able to do that on your own and not need assistance. Or the time that you were like, I think you were pack- packing boxes for a family member and you yeah, talked about when my like, parents were moving. I'm like deadlifting as I'm picking up this box. And it's like, it's just right. Like, it's not just movement to be on the cover of a bikini magazine, but it's like movement right. because like, Hey, you need your body to function in like mm-hmm. everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. And you can a hundred percent, like, I care how my body looks. It's okay to care how your body looks, right? It's It's, it's really useful to be curious and question where those ideals come from, I think. Um, and, and in doing that, sometimes you can discover that maybe you don't actually care about some of the things that that the media seems to suggest that you should care about. Um, but it's okay to care how you look. Uh, but for me, that's, generally a side effect of all the other stuff, right? If you're strong and you're moving in lots of different ways and you're getting all kinds of movement variety, the odds are pretty good that you're going to be a more confident and sort of mentally happy, which is going to give you a better outlook about everything, including your body. Um, and because a lot of it's self-image, right? Cause we, I think so many people have a picture. We, we all have a picture from when we were younger and we look at it and we think, wow, I did not appreciate how good I looked. Right. So it isn't about how you actually look. It's about how you feel about your body. And so, so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm digressing away from things here. I'm going to try to bring it back in. Um, but when you, when you focus a little bit more on the functional stuff, which serves you every day, that stuff comes along, it comes along. And if you decide, you know, oh, I actually really do want to have like physical biceps. You can work on that too. Like that's great. So there, there's room for all of it. Mm-hmm. How, so with lifting, I think we chatted a little bit, like there were some breaks for you. What, what did exercise look like for you during this time over the last two years? Um, so I was really happy when the pandemic hit that I, that I was working with a coach. So I was working with a coach, um, an online coach who my programming came through an app and I did my programming and then she would send me funny gifts and like we would sass each other on the app and it was very satisfying. And so when the pandemic hit, she pivoted really quickly and was like, here's a home version, you know, like how, let me know how I can support you. And so I did for a time do the workouts at home. And I think I just, I hit a point in the beginning. It was great. I was like, okay, I'm doing home workouts. This is great. I'm going to talk about it on Instagram. Um, this is good. I'm doing it. I can do it. And then I don't know. It was a combination of sort of uh, the George Floyd murder and all of the ensuing sort of social justice upheaval and everything because of that. Um, and how, like many people, I was like, what, what is my role here? What do I need to learn and unlearn? And what do I need to do? And what, what actions can I take that are, that are authentic and not like some kind of virtue signaling thing? You're like, what, what do I actually, what's my place here? What's, yep. what, am I, what is my job here? Um, and that was very stressful. And like, how do I talk to my children about what's happening right now? Right. My, my lily white blonde children, mm-hmm. how do I talk to them about all this? Mm-hmm. Um, so that. I think combination of that and just sort of hitting the point where that was around the point in the pandemic where you were like, oh, so it wasn't two weeks and it wasn't a month and they didn't come back after spring break. It's going to be the whole school year. Yeah. You know, we were starting to really realize, oh, we're in this for a while. Right. And that your heart kind of drops a little bit. So I got pretty stressed out 
like many people. And uh, one of the ways that manifested for me was that I was like, I don't want to pick up a weight. I just don't want to, yeah. I want to do it. Like, and I just sort of stopped doing it. Um, we were still doing our walks. I was still teaching my movement classes and like working with my individual people. So I was still getting movement in, but I just kind of stopped. And my coach was, couldn't have been more perfect. And like, I hundred percent, well, my coach is Allison Tenney and I hundred percent model the way that I do things after her, because I think she is a person who just really talks the talk, walks the walk is really like fully in it and authentic. And, uh, and she was like, what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I change this? You know, do you want to freeze things? Do you want to keep it? Like, how do you want to do handle this? So, um, so she was really supportive during that whole time and never made me feel bad for taking this break. And I mostly didn't feel bad for taking this break. There's always a little bit of that, like, oh, you should be, you should be. But one of the things I've worked out, uh, on in the last few years is really like hearing that should and having that be a red flag for me to go, oh, wait, wait, should. Mm-hmm. Is that real? Is that real or is that some like narrative that I'm telling myself because mm-hmm. of something else outside? So, um, so one of the things that I talk to people a lot is that we have these seasons in our lives um, where we do different things. And I actually just put an Instagram post about this yesterday, this idea of the priority stack and how your priority stack is really individual to you. And it is going to change at different times in your life, different days, even it might change. And it's not going to look like everybody else. And sometimes fit like one of the things I would like some nice fitness is way up there at the top. And sometimes it falls completely off because you're dealing with other stuff. And, and so I try to also to model that, to, to not hide it when it happens to me. And like, I mean, I'm in a phase of that right now where I'm just some sort of life and family stress and things like that. My bandwidth is just, it's just low. So I'm, I'm being a little more deliberate about where I'm putting my energy and I'm not putting my energy into lifting right now. Now I am, and this is sort of the natural outgrowth of it. It's been going, I don't know, say about six weeks. Like this week, I was like, I'm going to call the woman who owns my gym and make sure my path still works because I think I might go to the gym next week. Right. So it's a natural, it's a natural ebb and flow for me. And if I fight against that, it's so energy wasting and draining. And if I sort of say, okay, well, look at the big picture. Are you still moving your body? Are you mentally okay? Like what, what do you need to focus on first? And that'll come. And because I've sort of built this foundation of strength over the years, it isn't going to be that much of a loss. Like, will I be weaker when I go back to the gym than I was the last time I went hundred percent? Is that okay? Also hundred percent. Right. So, so getting back into it when you haven't been doing it is, I think it's just a natural part of it. It's just a natural part of it, that, that ebb and flow of, of us being in different seasons and having different things available to us. Mm-hmm. I think that's so huge to hear someone who's a movement professional say, because it might be easy, like, like their life is perfect. They always have their shit together and they, you know, they're able yeah. to go a million miles an hour, but it's like, no, she's a human too. And if she needs mm-hmm. breaks, then it must be okay for me to take a break too. The other thing I love that you said too, though, is that you're, you're still doing something, right? Like, you know, how important movement is for your health, your physical health and your mental health. So like a walk, like that's it, like a walk. Right. And I know like for me, like the past two weeks have kind of been a lot and the same thing. Like I have not been lifting as much as I want to, but we have gone for a walk every single morning. Yeah. And that, So I'm like, all right, well, you did something. You did something. Yes. yes. And, and something is always better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're living in that all or nothing place, some of the time it's going to be nothing. 
So if you can sort of find your way to the middle a little bit and be like something, sometimes it'll be a little more, sometimes a little less, but it's always going to be something. That's just such a healthier place to be, I think. And I think in the long term, for your for your physical health, your mental health, for everything, it's probably better for you than to have like going really hard for a while and then nothing. Yeah, right. right. And it's, it's like dieting, right? Like people go through this whole yo-yo dieting thing and you get your diet works and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then you do it again and it works and then it doesn't. So trying to find trying to find that more sort of middle place, that like intuitive eating style thing or something. And like what you, what you talked about with your, your peas and all of that, like Mm -hmm. finding those things in a way that's mentally healthy for you rather than encouraging, like, you know, any kind of disordered behavior. Yep. Yeah. I'm listening to the book. Have you heard of burnout? Yes. Yes. It's like a pink book. Um, I have been listening to it on and off on audible as I drive. But one of the things I listened to yesterday, they were talking about like the importance of sleep. And like, if you are not sleeping enough, you really shouldn't go do that 45 minute, like intense workout. Like it might be better for you and your body to actually get sleep. And that was like kind of something this morning. I was like, I am so freaking tired. And I was like, what do I need right now? Not what should I, what do I need? And I was like, I just need to lay down for like a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being okay with that too. Like I didn't mess anything up. I'm not off track. Like Mm-mm. this is actually, this is actually listening to my body right now. Like yes. people, how, do, how do you listen to your body? Like how this. You right your body? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that comes up all the time. Like, how do you listen? Cause people say it all the time in all kinds of contexts. And it just kind of like flies over people's heads because I think people, I don't know what people did. I, I had an interesting conversation on Facebook about that, that I should go back and look at again, um, where I ask people what they, when they hear that, what do they think? Mm-hmm. And, and the responses were like all over the place. Some people were sort of like, well, it means just to really pay attention, which is kind of the essence of what I think listen to your body means. It means mm-hmm. to pay attention and act accordingly. Um, but some people were like, oh, well, if you are, if you are a survivor of any kind of trauma or you have like nervous system dysregulation, sometimes listening to your body isn't actually as useful because sometimes the messages aren't accurate. So that's like, as this whole other layer to it, we are like, Ooh, can you listen to your body? If you feel like you can't trust that it's yeah. giving you the right information in the right situation. So it was really, it was very, very interesting. But I think the, for me, for most people, it is really awareness and paying attention, right? I think a lot of things, a lot of society's ills could be uh, made better if we were aware and paid more attention both to ourselves and to the people around us. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Going with that. Like I, okay. So I'm just thinking like one of the things that I have always struggled, like as someone who like anxiety and depression has been like a part of me since I was little. So it's like, mm-hmm. wait, are you listening to your depression? That's telling you to go into bed or are you listening to your body and which one is it? And so like, I know for me, like the walk in the morning is non-negotiable that I can do even when I'm really tired. I can still get up mm-hmm. and go for a walk. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if my de- it's like my depression that's telling me to stay in and hibernate, but I know that I can get up and go for a walk. But like if I am just so exhausted, I don't know that lifting a bunch of weights is so it's like now I'm like no, you are actually listening to your body. But I think the other thing too is that I've made mistakes too. There's been times that I yeah. did listen to the, the, the thought that keeps me in de- depressed mode and stayed in bed and been like, oh shoot, you actually feel worse. <laughs> you yes. actually feel worse. That, but like, I've made mistakes. I've been imperfect. And I think that that's a part of it too. Like, absolutely. You're, you're going to make mistakes when you're figuring it out. Yes. And I think, um, 
uh, I've been hearing a lot of things lately and it's, I, maybe it's just that I'm hearing them because I need them right now, but sort of that failure is not, failure is always forward, right? Failure, whenever you fail at anything, you're learning something. If you're paying attention, right? You're learning something and you can take it with you. So if you can sort of take the, the moralizing and the guilt out of the mistakes that you make and sort of say, okay, all right, that didn't go well. Yeah. What, what do I need to do moving forward? What, what useful nugget can I pull from this to take with me? Um, and then I want to come back to something you said about your walks where it's like, it's the one thing, you know, you can do and that I'm doing this accountability program right now. And that's one of the, the kind of the foundation level things of it is on your worst day. What can you still do? What can you still do on your very worst day? Like you can, you can scrap everything else when you're having a really bad day, but what's the one little step you can take? And I've been talking to my clients a lot about that a lot recently too, is like, what's the one tiny, easy, the easiest thing? I don't want to say easy because these things are not always easy, but what's the easiest thing you could do to move yourself in the direction you want to go? Because mm-hmm. what happens, I think, is that we, in our heads, we start to build this whole thing where we're like, oh, so much has to happen to get me where I want to go. And it gets overwhelming and we shut down. And so if you can break it, and I, I'm 100% guilty of this. I do this all the time. It's this thing I'm starting to working on unlearning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and noticing it is, of course, the first step. But if you can sort of say, okay, okay, what is the first small step that I can take? I don't need to worry about the rest of the steps. I just need to do this first small step. And that step will get me to a place where then I can be like, oh, what's the next step? Yep. And I still don't have to worry about like, I can have my big goal and know that I'm sort of generally working toward that, but progress isn't linear anyway. So if you're, if you're like trying to like burrow your way directly to your goal, that's almost always going to be the wrong direction and a lot of wasted energy anyway, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, whether it's like physical activity or projects you're working on, things like that. So, so yeah. So what's, what is the smallest thing you can do? I love what you said though. Like what, like on your worst day, what is the smallest thing that you do? Cause I think that that, I I think that's just perfect. That really sets you up to like, realize that like there are going to be some shitty days. 100%, because yeah. Life is really hard. Mm-hmm. And so what are you going to do on those worst days? And I know like, if you read any like book about going after a goal, it is like, it's how you show up on those worst days that like moves you forward. So I know for me, hat, like going for a walk and having like a giant, I call five piece salad, like those things, I'm going to have a five piece salad for lunch, no matter what, like pretty much no matter what. And I know that I can do that. Even if I am like a, in a like daisy fog, whatever, like I can do those things. So I love that. Yeah. Right. That's huge. So you have those touchdowns. I want to make sure I would give credit to Amanda Wheeler for that. What's the, that's, that's the thing you can do on your worst day. Cause that's where that's coming out of is the work with her. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And what the other thing to, to notice, I think about what the two things you just said is that there are also habits that you've built. Yeah. Right. And you, you've given them time to become a thing so that, that now, you know, you're like, Oh, right. Salad. No big deal. Walk. No big deal. I can do those. Mm-hmm. I can do nothing else the entire rest of the day, but I, I can do those two things. And that's for, for me, it's the dog has been really good for that because I'm like, Oh, every day I'm going to get outside a bunch of times, which I struggle with sleep. And I know that like getting outside in the morning and in the evening are two really important times to have light hitting you for like natural light. So that's been really, really helpful is having sort of an external force working on me where I don't have to decide, Oh, I'm going to go outside. I have this puppy who's like pawing at the door and I know we got to go outside. And I'm always so happy to be out there. I shouldn't say always, 
90% of the time I'm happy to be out there. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like today it's raining. And I'm like, please go ahead and do your thing because it's cold and I'm getting wet. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time I really enjoy it. And she likes to sniff around the outside of the yard. And I, I call it taking a, taking a turn about the estate, right? Like we're just kind of, sort of checking it out. Our yard is very small, but it's, it's ours, right? Um, and so I've taken to having that time be like a little check-in time for me to sort of, to sort of check in and be like, okay, how are you? Are you, what do you need today? Like what, what, what are the, what are the next steps forward for you today? Like, what, what does that look like? What are the priorities? Like is today a work day? Is today a rest day? Is today a kids and family errands day? You know, so, so that I can, because I don't have a whole lot of outside schedule on my life. I can every day do that. I, I, if I don't do that, I tend to flounder a little bit and not get as much done. So the days when I actually do that, where I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's, what's going on up here? How are we feeling? What can I get done today? Like, can I like set a timer for an hour and sit down and work on writing? Right. So, so, so I can figure out what, what's going to serve me that day. What are the things that have deadlines that I have to deal with no matter what? And then what are the things that I can be like, okay, well, these three things have to get done, which is the one that feels the best for me today. It's so funny that you're like your dog having to go to the bathroom is the trigger for like all of those other things that'll make you yeah. good, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to talk about the book Atomic Habits, which I talk about in like every yeah, such a great book. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, like, book. like your environment, like having, having this dog is like the cue and like, mm-hmm. if, but if the dog was like, I don't know, staying with a friend's house, like that like the other things might not happen, but like, that is the cue to start all of these other things that help you feel good. But I think it's so true too. When you talked about like, I, sometimes I, it feels so hard to get to the front porch. I don't want to go outside. And then I get to the front porch. I'm like, literally not that hard, Jacqueline. <laughs> like, right. You're yeah. here. It's fine. It's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Now, just go. But it's all this build up in my head about so hard mm-hmm. going. Outside. Yeah. It's like, nice. Oh, I got to put shoes on. And, you know, <laughs> and that, one of the things I've been doing a lot more recently is, um, is just going outside in my pajamas. Oh yes. You mm-hmm. know, which I know people will have different, different thoughts about and different levels of comfort with. And I don't want to say like everybody should go outside in their pajamas, but for me, right, right now, some days it's just throwing a big fleece on over my pajamas and taking it off for a walk like that. Because if I have to get dressed and like put my hair up and do all those things, that's like a barrier to entry right. if I want to get rid of, right? If I can get rid of as many barriers to entry as possible and make things as easy as possible, then everything goes better. Yeah. Yeah. When, so my husband had surgery at the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, I did the same thing. Like I had to force myself to get out of the house and I would take the dog for a walk. But I would go out in my pajamas and I would wear, I would just like wear like a long winter coat and like, yeah, yeah people saw me in my plaid pajama pants, but like, yeah. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Whatever. Yeah. Hey, you were like, I wear pajamas. Do you wear pajamas? Here I am <laughs> right. in my pajamas walking. They're really just clothes. That's what pajamas are. They're just clothes mm-hmm. that you sleep in. Yeah. It, it, and it wasn't embarrassing. It was just like, whatever. And you know what too, though? Like sometimes, sometimes with wearing masks or sometimes even if I, um, I will wear like a gator neck thing that I've gotten mm-hmm. at races. It covers mm-hmm. your face and you do feel a little bit more anonymous and like yes. less embarrassed and less like showy that I'm just like, you can only see my eyes and I'm walking in my pajamas and everything's fine. But like, again, it was a, 
putting, having to put on workout clothes was like a barrier. Can I just make it easy, roll out of bed, put on a coat, go. So there's not all of these different steps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now for some people, and again, this is all one of the things I was talking with the, the Jen that I was talking about rest is how the, the, the things that are wrestled for me might not be wrestled for you, right. They might not be the same. And that in order to find like your best ways to rest, or do anything else, you might have to experiment a little bit and try some things. Um, and, but be willing to stick with them for long enough that you, you give them a chance to work, right? Cause if you do something two or three days and then you don't do it, it's much easier to not do it than it is to keep doing it. If you do something for two weeks and you notice that you feel better and that it makes you more productive or whatever good outcome, you're much more likely to just keep doing it. Right. Especially if it's an easy thing <laughs> and make it as easy as possible. Now, some people, um, and just going back to what you said about putting on workout clothes. Now, for some people, the act of putting on workout clothes makes it more likely that they will move their totally. body. And if you know that about yourself, then that's an important thing that you should do. Like you should get up and roll out of bed and put your workout clothes on right away. Right. Um, I, I pretty much live in workout clothes, so I'm not a good example of that because I'm not changing back and forth. Um, but also you don't have to have those on to do movement stuff and, and movement stuff doesn't have to be a sweaty hour long session to be good for you. And in fact, there's some, there've been some studies recently sort of about metabolism where they talk about getting, getting even very like super short bursts of activity in your day, kind of scattered around, have really, really excellent outcomes, both for metabolism and like longevity in general. So, so that's one of the things I have some people in my, um, in my online program right now who will do one round of the workout in the morning and two rounds in the afternoon. And I love it. It's so, it's so great. And they love it. Like they realize, you know, because in the beginning, people are apologetic about any change they make. They're like, oh, I did this this way and I'm sorry. You know, I'm like, no, 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 this is good. Make it work. Make it work. You make it work. And you can, you have the power to adjust and change. And like, I try to educate people a little bit so that they understand like what, if you really hate an exercise, what are some good steps for that exercise? You know, like you don't have to do that. Or if you're missing a piece of equipment, do this instead, right? Move your body. Think about the parts of your body that you're using, use them in a different way. Totally fine. Um, but there that's the metabolism part is interesting. Say, I uh, read an article not too long ago where they were talking about the, the conventional wisdom is that our metabolism drops as we age because we age, right? We get older and our metabolism necessarily goes down. And one of the things that they're finding is that that might not be true. That, that while it is true that our metabolism tends to go down as we age, it seems to be more closely linked to our activity levels. So because as we age, we move less. Totally. And, and it's the, the stuff we were talking about before, like the little in-between movements, the stuff that we lost in the pandemic, a lot of us, um, because we move less, then your metabolism starts to adjust. So it's not so much like the difference, the difference in metabolism across the ages when all of those things are adjusted for are like super, like 1%, like super minor differences. So, so this is, and this is awesome because it means that you actually have more power than, than you feel like you do sometimes. Like when somebody's like, oh, well, when you get old, you, you, your metabolism drops and you, and you gain weight. Um, and I want to acknowledge too, that if you gain weight as you get, as you age, that's okay too, right? You're not meant to be in the same body your entire life. Like that's, that's crazy when you really think about it, that we should be exactly the same weight all the way through, mm-hmm. which is such a thing. Like people are so proud and they're like, oh, I weigh the same thing I did in high school. And I yeah. want to be like, who cares? Right. Totally. Do you do, you do healthy things? Like, that's much more interesting to me. Like what I, I don't do anything with weight. I don't, I don't, A, I'm not really qualified to do weight stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. And B, I don't care how much you weigh. I just don't. And I don't, not in a mean way. 
but it doesn't matter to me. Like it doesn't matter what you weigh or what shape your body is. I want you to get stronger and I want you to move well. And that's it. That's it. Right. You can feel a way about your weight. That's okay. I don't like, I don't ever want to shame anybody for wanting Mm -hmm. to lose weight or wanting to change their bodies, Mm -hmm. but it's just not an important piece of the puzzle for me for Mm -hmm. what I do. So, so to wrap it back around, um, when people get more daily activity throughout their day. So if you're an office worker, this really puts you in a position because you are expected to sit at your desk for hours and hours, right? So one of the things I talk to people, I don't have a lot of people who sit at desks for that long right now, but the people that I do have, one of the things we talk about is how, how do you get those little bits of movement in? And during the pandemic, of course, it was really hard because there was nowhere to go and nothing to do. So you couldn't build it into your day. If you're in an actual office, right? You walk to the bathroom, you can take a long route. You can go get yourself some water. You can deliver something to someone instead of sending it to them. You know, there's all kinds of different ways. You can just set a timer and literally just stand up in your office and like turn around in a circle and sit back down. And that's the movement, yeah. right? That's enough to sort of break the, the like, here's this position that I'm in all the time, all day. So, so the trying to figure out the ways to do that. And, and it's, it's the habit, it's the atomic habits. Um, if anybody listening has not read atomic habits, you absolutely hundred percent have to read this book. It's so good. Um, building, finding ways to build those habits into your life in ways that are in ways that are easy. Right. And that they, um, is he, he talks about habit stacking in, in that mm-hmm, book, right? Mm-hmm. So habit stacking where you attach it, like we all brush our teeth every morning, right? That's mm-hmm. nobody is like gets up in the morning and goes, Oh, I don't want to brush my teeth. Right. You know, like that's not a conversation. Maybe maybe kids do sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, you're like, my kids, mouth is gross. I'm going to go yeah, brush my teeth. Yeah. You're going to brush your teeth. And cause you, cause it's the thing you do every day and it's just a really, really solid habit. And so sometimes if you have a really solid habit like that, you can stack another habit on top of that. Be like, okay, I'm gonna brush my teeth and I'm gonna stretch my calves every morning when I brush my teeth or whatever, you know, insert whatever your particular issue is. And when you attach those things together, you're more likely to do it because you're already doing this one thing that's easy. And now you just add this other thing to it. So, so trying to find things like that, places like that to put movement in. Um, and again, it does not have to be sweaty, intense movement. Like, you should be doing some sweaty, intense movement somewhere in your week, right? That's cool. You should do that. It shouldn't be all that. Like that's not that good for you either to do all intense stuff. So you should be doing some easy chill walks and some like really like just moving around um, stuff and also working a little bit more intensely too. Sometimes. I really love this conversation because I feel like there's a question I always ask clients and it's like that thing that you're doing, would you want that for an eight-year-old girl. Like if you have a daughter or if you, and mm. I don't have kids, but like I was a teacher. And so I think about like a second grader or a kindergartner, would I teach this to them? And it's like, when it comes to a lot of the things, diet and exercise, yeah. body and progress photos and scale. No, I would not no. have this yeah. for oh, them. That's so, I really love that. And when I think about literally every word that comes out of your mouth, I would want this for an eight-year-old. As you're talking about the movement that you'd have for an office worker, literally things that a kindergarten teacher would do. Great. We're going to set a timer and we're going to blank. Or, hey, kid, you're being really annoying and disruptive in class. Will you take this letter and go deliver to the office? And there's nothing in the letter. But, like, get out of the classroom and get some movement in and then you can come join us again. Yeah. Or we're going to take a movement break around the building. We're going to move from our desks to the rug, from the rug. We're going to put a video on YouTube and get our wiggles out. Like, literally all of these things that we would have 
for five-year-olds, you are having adults do it. And again, like every single thing that you said you would, you would have for children. I just, I love everything you do. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and that's one of the reasons that I, like, I try to periodically put stuff out on like social media or my YouTube that is, that is super, super short, like super short. Like, like you can do this staying in your chair. You don't even have to get up. Here's, here's just some things you can do to like move your body outside of its normal, like sitting in the chair position. That's going to make you feel better. It's going to increase your focus. You know, it's just, it's all good. There's no, there's no downside to this, you know? Um, I do, however, <laughs> I want to always create things that people can do and not feel like the weirdo in the office. Yeah. <laughs> but I also like to say, Hey, what if you were the weirdo in the office? Right. Like I, I always say I'm the weirdo at the airport. Like I sit very little at airports because I'm about wait, to sit. What do you do? I sit very little. Like pe- most people go to an airport and as soon as they can, they sit, they find a spot and they sit and they stay there unless they're getting food, going to the bathroom, whatever. And I almost never, like my family will sit and I won't, I won't sit. My kids now are old enough that they want to sit and like be on a screen or read a book or something. Um, but I don't sit very much. I sometimes bring my balls or a little band, and, but sometimes it's a lot of just body weight stuff and like just moving my body in different ways. And I am a hundred percent okay being the weird person in the yeah. airport moving and moving in those ways. Um, and that, so that's something too, that I want to be like, Hey, what if you were the weirdo? Would that be so bad? Like, mm-hmm. what if you were the weirdo and somebody, because sometimes when you're the weirdo doing the movement like that, somebody's like, huh, that's weird. Huh. Yeah. Okay, it feels good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so you, by, by sort of publicly being, be, being okay with being like, Hey, mm, I'm just going to stretch here on the airplane or at my desk or whatever. And being respectful to people around you, obviously, but, um, but you might inspire someone else to be like, Oh, I'm just going to do this little shoulder roll. Yep. That nobody- but it's going to make me feel better. And, you know, I don't know. There are so many sort of societal things about how we move and what's acceptable. And um, I don't like that stuff. (laughs) I want all the movements to be acceptable. And, and one of the things that I say about myself now compared to say like 15 years ago is that I am, I am really not, not very good at sitting still for very long anymore, which is of course, when it, when a child is like that in a classroom, they call it a problem and they have to figure out ways to fix it, you know? And I'm like, I don't think this is a problem. Like, I think this is actually, this is a net good. And I, of course, again, be respectful for your environment or what you know, like if I'm, if I'm at a symphony orchestra performance, I'm not going to be like stretching and moving around and all that. Right. But I will shift like my hips a little bit, right. I'll lean for a little bit. I'll sit up for a little bit. Like I'll do small movement things that don't impact the experiences of people around me, but make me feel better. And I am unapologetic about those kinds of things or about standing when other people are sitting or maybe sitting on the floor when everybody's sitting on furniture or things like that. Like, I don't always do that. Like I will hundred percent cut up in the couch and just like dig in for a while, read a book, watch TV, whatever. Um, but I do tend to be the one who's like, I'm just going to sit on the floor for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're not like being the weirdo for being like, Hey, everyone look at me. I'm being a weirdo, but like, no. Hey, I, these are the things that I need. And so I'm going, is that, what do people say? Like take up space. Like you are allowed to take up the space that you need and move your body in the way that you need for you. Well, and that's definitely part of it. I think, especially we think about like, um, man spreading, like men are much more comfortable sitting down and like taking up space. And I don't begrudge them that honestly, like, I know that gets like a bad rap and it can, it can certainly be very rude at times, but also it's kind of cool in a way that people are like, ah, I can take up space. And so again, 
respectful to the environment and the people around you, but take up your space, right? You don't, you don't have to like be tiny and right. There's no, there's no real benefit to that. Despite what the media sort of presents a lot of the time mm-hmm. for women, especially that you should be like small and quiet and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is about, I mean, so many things that you said too, but like being aware of like these thoughts in our head and it's like, wait, is that true for me? Or has that been put there by someone right. else and like setting those boundaries? I'm curious though, you said that you're a lot different now than maybe you were 15 years ago. Do you think that that like has just come with what, like, was there a trigger for that? Or it's just come with age and maturity and like being sick of um, people or like what? <clears throat> I think some of it has just come with age. Like that's actually my favorite thing about aging is how for me, and I know this probably doesn't happen for everybody. And and I I hope that it happens for everybody because it's been good for me um, is that as you age, it's like you, um, and I, can I curse briefly? Go for it. All right. So, so you, you give less fucks or you give the right fucks in the right places and not as much for the things that don't matter. And you, like you, it's like, um, as you age, things get distilled a little bit. So when you're younger, I think I, when I was younger, I was always worried about how I looked from the outside and what people were thinking. And I still think about those things, of course, but I'm much better at letting it go. And I'm much better at being like, if somebody thinks this thing that I'm doing, which is good for me is weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they mm-hmm. say that's weird, then we can have a conversation about it. And maybe that goes somewhere good. And if they don't, then it's their problem, not mine. Yeah right? Mm-hmm. Those are their thoughts. I don't, I don't need to worry about other people's thoughts. That's that Jill. That's a huge thing that I got from Jill Coleman is that idea that I am not responsible for other people's opinions about me. You know, I can, I can let that go. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. There's been easy. And there aren't times when I feel that still very strongly where I'm like, Oh, what are they thinking? But I don't have to, I don't have to have that on me. I think that that's, I, I know Jill has, she introduced me to Byron Katie. Did I say that right? Yes. And yeah. she has something like other people's opinions of you. It's like none of your business or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yes. And that's, I think Byron Katie has another level too, where, where one of the questions is, <clears throat> is the thing you're thinking true? Her three questions, sometimes three questions, the, four questions. Yeah. I, think, I feel like there's four and I don't remember them all, but I remember the one that really struck with me is, is the thing you're thinking true? And the, one of her examples was um, a woman who was frustrated because her family was like leaving dirty socks on the floor, which I can very much identify with because there are dirty socks on my couch right this very second, hundred percent, I guarantee you. Um, and she had made this story that, that the fact that her family left these socks, these dirty socks meant that it was, it was, a, it was disregard for, the, for her. And, and so that, like that very first question of, is that true? Is that actually true? And so, so, so many times if I catch myself and I could be like, oh, you're thinking this thing, is that true? And a lot of times I'm like, no, it's not true. They left their socks for the same reason you sometimes leave your socks, which is that you just forget. And it's not very important. Back to the idea of the priority stack, right? Dirty socks are very low in my children's priority stack. Always. <laughs> and maybe it's a little higher on mine because I am sort of the manager of the, the space around us, but I can also decide to fight with them about it and make it about me. Or I can just be like, if I don't, I don't want the socks on the couch, I can just pick them up. I would say that is probably 95% of the arguments that I get in with my husband is it's something like that. 
Mm-hmm. And for him, he's just like, well, I just left a sock. But for me, it's a dagger into my heart that you right. don't care about me enough. And so if we get into an argument, I have this giant story in my head about what it meant. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, like I just forgot to put the sock away. Right. And so he's like thinking that that's what, but like, it's, it's this giant story in my head that I've made up. Yeah. And I know sometimes a dirty sock could be a symptom of a bigger thing that you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, a dirty sock is just a dirty sock and there was no intent behind a dirty sock, you know? So if you can sort of, uh, divorce yourself from the, the story about what other people are thinking about you, or mm-hmm. if you're really concerned about it, right. If I'm, if I'm feeling the dirty socks and I can sit down with my family and be like, you guys, this is how it makes me feel. Yeah. What's going on. Are we, is there something we need to deal with or something we need to do differently Then then great. Then that's what we'll do. But most of the time I just pick up the socks now and I don't, I don't get wrapped up in my head in a story about it, you know, mm-hmm. which is much, it's a much nicer way to live. And that's, you know, yeah, my husband is really good about, I don't want this, this doesn't have to turn into a big thing. Like just picking up the sock could just, it could just, right. Just move forward. Right. I think I'm getting better at it though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I've gotten way better at. I would say probably, probably in the last 10 years. And honestly, the pandemic probably kind of accelerated some of that stuff because we were all on top of each other all the time. And you had, you couldn't, you could have. You couldn't worry about all the things at once. You really did have to sort of be like, I'm just going to choose to let those things go. Let it go. Mm -hmm. And just focus on these things that are, that are important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, one more question and that is, you know, what are other things that you make sure that you do to take care of yourself. We talked a little bit about movement and, you know, like having a walk with the pup or whatever. Are there any other things that you do that help you feel like sane or help you feel like yourself inside your head that you make sure you do? Yeah. So, um, I, I am, I do, I do therapy, (laughs) which is a huge thing. And I think is great and everybody should do it. Um, I've done it a few times over the years and it's always been really helpful. And right now the therapist I'm working with is mainly functioning as a, as an ear and a sounding board. Um, and a cheerleader a little bit. So I, it's not like we're working through any big stuff, but having that weekly appointment and knowing that I have that appointment means that instead of me freaking out about a thing, I can just be like, all right, I'm gonna check that away. I'm gonna save that for Wednesday. We'll, we'll talk about it on Wednesday. And usually by then it's still a thing I want to talk about, but also it loses some of its power to be able to do that with it. So that's, that's a huge thing. And I would definitely encourage people. I know it's, it's hard right now because so many people are feeling stress and strain and anxiety and depression coming out of the pandemic that, it's really hard to find therapists right now, but they're out there and you can find them and you can find, there are lots of places that do sliding scales for people whose insurance don't cover it, um, which, is, which is unfortunately very common. Um, so, so there's that. Um, I also, something I struggle with, or I'm just going to go and say that straight up is, is eating well to fuel my body, right? I have a, a tendency to fall into like comfort food stuff, which I don't think is bad. But if that's how you eat all the time, it doesn't like, I, I don't feel good then. Right. So I'm, so I'm trying to incorporate more vegetables and fiber and protein, right. All of the things that you would talk about with your food stuff, which I love. Um, and then uh, something else I've been doing just in the last few weeks, I went to a, um, I went to the Ignited Women's Summit um, in Seattle in the beginning of October and the I had a lot of takeaways. It was sort of a fitness and women in fitness and wellness. Like how do we, 
individually, like how do we get, grow and get better individually, but also improve the, the industry, the fitness industry in general. Um, and so the, my biggest takeaway of all of the things was how important community is and how between the, between the summit, the move and my own sort of ten, introverted tendencies, I have really pulled away from having any kind of real community. And so, so in the last few weeks, I've been really actively trying to reach out, reach out to friends to have phone calls, reach out to like, we moved back here and I, I have a bunch of friends from Atlanta that I haven't seen. We've been here for almost a year now. And so I was like, I'm reaching out to some friends. I have some things on the calendar. Um, I've been doing IG lives on, um, on Instagram to connect with people there. Uh, and it's that just that, like trying to connect with people more has been huge for me like that that has been my most recent sort of like aha this is what you need yeah. and, and also so my next step is to try to create some local community here because we moved during the pandemic you moved to there and there was like nobody to connect with and people mm-hmm. weren't people people weren't meeting new people during mm-hmm. the pandemic so much so so we're just now starting to get outside of our little tight circle and and make some of those connections, which I think is huge. Cause I, I think in the end, all of it is about sort of connection and relationship. You know, you can't do this alone. Nobody can. Which is why the pandemic was so hard, like cut off yeah. human connection. Yes. And it's like, Oh shoot. Like human connection is what keeps us alive mm-hmm. and keeps us thriving. And yeah. And I think we, I think one of the things that I didn't realize until the pandemic was how in the same way that those little in-between movements are really powerful, ah, those little mm. in-between connections, like seeing the other coaches at the gym and having a little 10 minute chat with them in between clients, like they're not my best friends. They're not the people that I share my deepest stuff with, but those little interactions were really powerful. And I really missed that. And I miss it now too, because I don't have as much of that because I work from home mostly and I don't know a whole lot of people in my community. So that's, you know, trying to build some of that in. And right now it's, it's a lot of reaching out to people but through the phone and online, which is very powerful. I've had a lot of support through my internet people um, over the last year and a half. And I'm really grateful for that. But, um, but also finding some, some in-person people too. I think it's really cool to hear that. And I like someone, I, I see myself as an introvert as well. And there were kind of times during 2020 where I was like, this is great. I don't have to see people. Mm-hmm. I don't have any expectations about having to do something on a Friday or Saturday night. Like it was the best until all of a sudden it was like, oh dear God, like what right. has happened? Yeah. I need that. Even though it's, even though my, my social like interactional needs are, are lower because I'm an introvert or, or I, like I, I can take less, less of it maybe, I guess, before I need to recharge. Um, I still, I still really need that. That's powerful. That those connections are really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great talking with you. I feel like I could talk with you, you for hours. I'm just so glad that we were able to connect. And yeah, so if people want to connect with you, where are the best places that they can find you? So um, I'm Corin Pierce Fitness at Instagram, and that's C-O-R-R-I-N-P-I-E-R-C-E, fitness. Um, and then uh, I have a website now, finally, after a long time of like sitting on it and not actually doing all the steps, but um, CorinPierce.com. Um, she's basic, but we like her. Uh, she, she exists, which makes me very happy right now. Like that's one of my big achievements over the last few months. Um, and that sort of gives an overview of the things that I do. And, um, I don't know when this is going to be, when is this going to get posted? I think a week from now. 
Okay. All right. So I have a, I have a program that's, that's starting November 8th. Um, oh, perfect. So if anybody is interested in that, like that, you can find out about on, uh, on mostly Instagram is going to have most of the information about that. So amazing. Um, but I work with people one-on-one too, um, which I also love. So yeah, if you need, if you need help with moving stuff. I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah. You're the best. I highly recommend <laughs> reaching out to her. I would, I mean, I would, I would have a young daughter of mine reach out to you. I would recommend anyone that needs help with movement. Like oh, that is yeah. one of the nicest compliments I've ever gotten. That, thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. 